Hey everyone, it's my privilege to be able to take the next few minutes and have a conversation with you as we're all going through this new season in our life. Um, it's given us, you know, some extra time to, to think. And so uh, today I'm, I'm going to have a conversation around the topic of identity. And, you know, Pastor Joel talked on it a little bit last week and, and you know, he, he shared about how we have to be careful in how we don't allow what we do to become who we are. And so we're gonna break this conversation down into three parts. It's gonna be uh, discover your identity, how we do that, you know, how we can protect our identity. And third, discovering our new identity. And, and I just hope that, that over these next few minutes, it's gonna be something that's going to uh, help you today, uh, that you're going to be able to, to take through your week, and it's going to encourage you and provide you with some hope. Before this, as we think about the, t the, the idea of identity and, and discovery, um, it reminds me of when I was a kid, and I can remember we found uh, this magnifying glass. Now, if, if you've ever played around with a magnifying glass, it's pretty fascinating because you can take objects that are so small, and you can, you can you can put a magnifying glass over top of them and it just reveals so much, right? So it's like you've got, you know, coins, you've got, you know, your brother or your sister's mouth, you know, you just shine that magnifying glass and it's, uh, it's a little bit gross, but it's kind of fun. But here's the game changer. I know we may have some kids watching and so, um, but if you actually take a magnifying glass, okay, you take it outside and on a sunny day, you put that between magnifying glass between the sun and an object like paper you can actually catch it on fire that's right you can actually create a flame by that small little dot that's shining on that paper and so I hope that today that as we you know look at scripture as we have conversations um, I pray that today that we'll kind of shine a light on some areas of our life um, that we maybe need a little bit of a spark or a little bit of a flame lit uh, to revive, you know, some of those passions, that creativity, that excitement that I believe that God has designed for our lives to be like that. I pray that in this conversation, um, some of those things will begin to be revealed to you as we look at discovering our identity. I've recently had the privilege of, of working with our teens in the student ministries department. And although it's been a lot of fun, it's brought back a lot of memories. And I think that part of adolescence is navigating relationships. And one of the biggest relationships we have to learn is that relationship with ourselves. I know that I will never be an offensive lineman in the NFL. So if we can't be whoever we want to be, then how do we discover this? I want us to look at Psalms. And Psalms was written by a guy named David. And, and it, maybe you've never grown up in church, but you've heard of David and Goliath. Uh, David, you know, I think as men, all right, we fall into two categories, right? We're either a lover or a fighter. And, and I'm not sure which category I fit in. I'll let you be the judge. But here's the cool thing about David. He, he was both. He was the one who stood up to Goliath when nobody else would, right? Like picture this, sold out audience. It's packed. Everybody's watching. Goliath is calling out for somebody 
to fight him. And, go, and, and David steps up to the challenge and he defeats him. You know, the Bible talks about David also being like a shepherd boy and protecting his sheep and chasing off lions and bears. Like he was the real outdoorsman. But there was also another side to David that I think is so fascinating. Is David wrote all of the chapters in Psalms and he writes, he writes poems. That's something I could never do, but he writes songs. And we get a glimpse into the relationship that David had with God, his creator. And I think that as we look at this today, there's something that we can find here in how we can discover our identity in God. I want to read Psalm 139 to you. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You even know my thoughts. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. When I read this, I see the personal relationship that David had with God. That not only was God everywhere, but God was with him. Not only was God the creator of the world, but he was the creator of David. This relationship gives us the confidence to know that we don't have to create our own identity, but rather we have to discover who God has created us to be. This is a game changer. This takes the pressure off of us to be whoever we want to be. This takes the pressure off of us to have to try to create some impression, some in identity of what people, what we want them to believe. But rather, we just have to lean into a relationship with God and see who he's discovered us to be. Psalm 139 continues it. And I want to read just some of the, the intimate details that goes into us being created. Psalm 139, 13 to 18 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. You watched me as I was being formed. You saw me when I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. Can you see this? Can you see that God created you? Like the intricate parts that he explains in Psalms, that God created you with unique talents, personalities, and abilities. And so you don't have to try to create your own identity. You can just discover who God's called you to be. Can I, can I be real honest with you? And, you know, and just say this, that, um, you know, my role here, even in ministry and in the church, that, you know, I am not qualified. There are more people that are more qualified to do what I do. But what I have discovered is that God has placed talents and abilities in me that have best suited me 
to be able to fulfill the call of God that he has for me in ministry. And so I don't know what it is for you, but I want to encourage you today to to not have to try to create something, but simply discover it. When you ask questions as what is my purpose and and why am I here and, and how do I find out? I want to remind you that you discover that by learning who God is. Let me say this, the more we know about God, the more we know about ourselves. Now, I'm not uh, a big movie watcher, but there's a Canadian actor by the name of Jim Carrey. Many of you may know who he is. He's been a part of several uh, big movies. Now, what's interesting to note is obviously Jim Carrey didn't start out as, you know, this superstar actor, right, filming movies. But as a teenager, Jim Carrey discovered that he he had a natural ability to make people laugh. He would spend hours in the mirror. Listen to this. This sounds ridiculous. Hours in the mirror, ladies, right? You think you spend a lot of time in the mirror. Well, Jim, he would would move his face in all different angles and, and, you know, just move in a way that nobody else could quite do. And he discovered that he had this gift to make people laugh. And so he began working uh, as a comedian and in front of you know, small audiences and nobody believed in him. That's right. Nobody believed that he was actually gonna go anywhere with his career in trying to make people laugh. But he believed in himself so much Um, And in one of his lowest points of his life, he was up on the hills of Hollywood, you know, that kind of iconic uh, picture that we all see with the Hollywood theme up in the mountains. And Jim Carrey was up there all by himself. And he pulled out his checkbook, all right? Some of you guys may not know what a checkbook is. Um, Your parents can can maybe fill you in on that. But he, he pulled that out and he wrote himself a check for $10 million for services rendered. When when no one believed in him, he chose to believe in the gifts and talents and creativity that he had when nobody else did. And you know the rest of the story. It was a few years later that he played the starring role in one of his hit movies. And guess how much they paid him? $10 million dollars. You know what? I think it's important for us to, again, discover what it is that God has created us to be. But here's where we have to be careful. We have to know that we have to be able to protect ourselves, protect our identity, because if we are not careful, there are things that could come into our life that will try to steal it. And so I was reminded as I was thinking about this today, Um, on this whole word called identity theft. This is a word that we're hearing more and more often. And actually billions of dollars are lost every year due to identity theft. And that is when you take someone else's personal information, you act like you are there, uh, you, you act on their behalf to take what belongs to them. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I know that I have, and it is a gut-wrenching feeling 
when somebody takes what belongs to you. And as, as I was thinking about this today, I realized that this whole identity theft has been happening a lot longer than we might know. And I was reminded of the story in Genesis, way back in the beginning in the Bible, where we read about creation and how God, you know, created the sun and the moon and the stars and planet Earth and everything, like incredible, right? All this is created. And then he looks at it and he creates the first humans, Adam and Eve. And you can read about this in, in Genesis 2, but God actually gives authority. He gives dominion. He gives power to Adam and Eve to control and to maintain and take care of this garden. That was what he created them for. He gave them an identity in there. And here's what's interesting. As we look shortly after in Genesis 3, we can see in verse 1 where it says this serpent came in and he was subtle and he was sly and he was deceitful. And what God told Adam and Eve was, all right, was this. He's like, you can have all of this, take care of it, but there's only one thing. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I don't know if you've ever raised kids or you've been around children, maybe daycares, but you know, if you've ever given kids instructions, it's like, you know, they're always so simple, right? Like just take one snack, you're only allowed one. And then you go back five minutes later and they have three snacks, right? It's like, it was one instruction, so simple. And this is what God gave Adam and Eve, this one instruction. But here's where we have to be careful. That serpent was, was sly and he began to question Eve and say, really, did God really mean that? And she began to, to begin to think about this question. And then the serpent goes on to say, the only reason why he doesn't want you to have anything from that tree is because then you will be greater than God. Do you see how he begins to shift the narrative and get Eve focusing on all that she has and get her focused on this one thing that she's not allowed to touch? And I think that there's a lesson to be learned here. And that is that sometimes we can get so focused on ourselves that we miss out on all the great things that are, that are accessible to us. You know, I think there's another lesson to be learned here. And what can we learn from this? I think we can learn that the enemy was able to distract Eve and get her to focus on one specific thing that she couldn't have and forget about all of the other amazing things she had access to. She owned it all, but yet he was able to get her to focus on it. And then the second thing is, is, is he asked her a question in verse four. He says, will you really die? You know what? The enemy likes to lie to us with these simple whispers, these simple voices. 
And it's easy for us to believe the lie. You know, things like our situation will never change. You know, is there really hope? You know, does God really heal? Will we ever see God do uh, an amazing, you know, something amazing in our church? These are all lies that if we want to trade what we know is true for a lie, it is a way that the enemy can steal what belongs to us. And the third thing is in verse six, it says, when she saw the tree, it looked good. You know what? I think we have to be careful that when we begin to look around at others and and what people may have, sometimes we can get into this trap where we begin comparing ourselves with other people's gifts, talents, how much money they have, the car they drive. And we can start comparing and competing. And can I just caution us all that this is a great reminder that we can never win at that game. And so if you can think about it, Eve had everything she could have, but she sold herself out to a lie and ended up with nothing. That is horrible. That is, you know, to to see the trap of what happens when we get our eyes off of what God has given us. As we begin to wrap up this conversation, I want to leave you with this one last thought. You know, as we are are hearing about all these new norms, things shifting, things changing, I want to leave this one idea that I believe it's time for us to own our new identity. What does that mean? Well, I think that as, as Christians, that we have gotten away from making God our first priority. And I think that in all of the shifting and changing there are new norms coming to the church. And I believe that as Christians, we are hearing, um, you know, we're sensing that there's something shifting. Obviously, you know, who would have ever thought we could never meet together, right? We're changing um, how we connect with God. We're changing so many different things, but I, I wanna leave you with this that I think is going to help us not only in discovering our identity and protecting ourselves, But understanding our new identity is this. And I want us to look at James 4, verse 8. When I read this scripture, I was so excited because I believe that this is so fitting for where we are at uh, culturally as we're dealing with these new social distancing practices. This scripture is what I call the social distancing scripture. All right, found in James 4, verse 8. It says, come close to me, and I'll come close to you. Some of you may know it in this translation. It says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. In order for any relationship to be successful, we can't have distractions. And I think that for far too long, we've allowed distractions in our relationship with God. And I think right now in this moment, this season that we are in, God is saying, put the distractions away. He's actually saying more than that. He's put the distractions. We don't even have that option because he wants us to get to know him. And here's the deal. For any of you that have ever been in a relationship before, in order for a relationship to be successful, we have to make the other person a priority and make them important. But here's the upside. Even as hard as relationships are, As we begin to spend time with this person, 
All right, some of you guys that boyfriends and girlfriends, you guys get this. What begins to happen is you begin to talk like the other person, think like the other person. You begin to shift and change. Just like in our relationship with God, the more time we spend with him, right? I was talking about how this taking on this new identity, the more time we spend with God, the more we begin to think his thoughts. This is, this, this is a game changer right here. Our thoughts begin to shift. When our thoughts begin to shift, our behavior changes. This is when people begin to notice that something's up. Something's different about you. I believe this is the new identity that God is wanting us to take on in this moment that we are in. Listen to me. Some of you have been trying to make changes in your life for months or even years, and you haven't been able to do it. The key is, is, is in this closeness with God, drawing close to God. And I believe your desires, your habits will begin to change. And that's what we call transformation begins to happen in your life. And this is only something that God can do. This is exciting. But I also want to show you the next part of James 4 verse 8 that I think is so key. I think this is like the social distancing scripture. When I read this part, let me, let me read this for you. In the second part of verse 8, wash your hands. Wash your hands. Man, we've been doing a whole lot of hand washing lately. But here's the, the serious part of it. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And verse 10 says this, it says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. God is saying, wash your hands. He's saying your loyalty has been divided. God is calling us, I believe as Christians, uh, to realize that we need to, to repent for some things. That we've put in a lot of things ahead of God and he's not been priority. And, I, and, and that second part of that verse says that he will restore us to honor. I believe that that's where he wants to take his church. I believe that that's where he wants to take believers today. Is restoring the honor back that is due to him. You see, when we make that shift... We bring glory back to him. And I believe that if, if we will take this seriously, if we will discover our identity, if we will protect ourselves from the lies of the enemy that he wants to use to distract us, and then if we will own this new identity, I believe that we will see God uh, do something incredible uh, not only in our lives, but in our church. I believe that God is preparing people in our province, in our nation, and around the world to see a move of God that many of us have only dreamt of and only prayed about. But I believe it's shifting. I believe it's the new norm. But listen, we need to draw close to God and he will draw close to us. I hope that this encourages you. I hope that it helps you. And I would like to pray um, before we go into this next song. Um, would you just, wherever you are, 
um, just bow your heads and close your eyes and, and give me the opportunity just to, to pray a quick prayer over you today. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to worship you, uh, to hear an, a message from, uh, from Scripture, God, that, that God gives us a reflection of where we are. But more importantly, God, I hear uh, your voice and your leading to where you're calling Christians, God, to a new level of Christianity, of putting you first. And God, I pray that you would make it so clear to us the changes that we need to make in our life. God, so that we can get closer to you. God, and as we get closer to you, God, you are going to reveal and show us things, God, that we've never seen before. God, I believe that our lives should be so exciting. God, that our lives should be so full of passion. God, that people take notice. God, I believe that's the new identity that you are calling us as believers to. And so it's an exciting time. And so God, we thank you uh, for this day and what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.